X-Ray. Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news and democracy. I'm Emily Gilliland from Portland, Oregon. It's Monday, April 19th, and today is the first day of the spring fun drive at X-Ray. X-Ray FM is the host of The Local, and we are majority funded by people like you. We can't do this without small monthly gifts from thousands of people that care about purpose-driven media. Today, Monday, April 19th, every person 21 years and older who gives $50 or more or makes a new or increased monthly gift will receive a bottle of Pinot Noir from our friends at Pressing Plant Wine. You can become a member of X-Ray today at $10 or more a month and be part of building a better media from the ground up. You can go to xray.fm backslash donate or call 503-233-X-RAY. That's 503-233-9729 to join today. Today, back in the day on April 19, 1987, The Simpsons premiered as a series of shorts on The Tracy Ullman Show. Created by Portland's own Matt Groening, the shorts would run for two years on the Fox sketch show before getting spun off into their own half-hour series. The iconic yellow characters satirize all aspects of American family life and culture. Groening modeled the Simpsons after his own family growing up and even drew inspiration for other character names from streets around town, like Reverend Lovejoy, Ned Flanders, and Mayor Quimby. At 32 seasons, 702 episodes and counting, it's gone on to become the longest-running American sitcom, animated series, and scripted primetime TV series in history. Today, back in the day on April 19, 1943, Albert Hoffman ingested LSD for the first time, discovering its psychoactive effects. The Swiss chemist had initially synthesized the chemical five years earlier as a respiratory or circulatory stimulant. While resynthesizing the substance, he accidentally absorbed and experienced mild effects that faded away after two hours. A couple of days later, on the 19th, he purposefully ingested 250 micrograms and started feeling sudden changes in perception less than an hour later. He asked an assistant to escort him home on a bicycle. As I rode through the streets of Basel, the extreme anxiety and hallucinations led Hoffman to think he was losing his mind. Hours later, he was checked out by a doctor and everything was fine other than some very dilated pupils. Hoffman's fear gave way to euphoria and introspection, which then gave way to the swinging 60s. Psychedelic communities now celebrate April 19th as Bicycle Day in honor of that trippy bike trip. So, happy Bicycle Day, everyone. And today, back in the day, on April 19, 1775, there was a shot heard around the world. This marks the opening shot of the battles of Lexington and Concord, the first battles of the American Revolution. When the actual first shot was fired, it's historically complicated since smaller conflicts had occurred in the area earlier in the day. The Northbridge skirmish was the site of the first shots fired by Americans under orders. There's also the first British fatalities and the first British retreats. The phrase comes from the Ralph Waldo Emerson 1837 poem, Concord Hymn, written at his step-grandfather's house 100 feet from where the battle took place. 
and engraved on an obelisk marking the spot. The shot heard around the world has also come to be applied to the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand and Bobby Thompson's walk-off home run to win the NL pennant, neither of which took place on April 19th. Today, we'll start with your quick six news headlines, and we have an interview with news editor of the Portland Mercury, Alex Zelensky. First up, it's time for today's quick six local rundown. On Friday morning, a Portland police officer shot and killed 46-year-old Robert Douglas Delgado in Lentz Park. Officers were on the scene responding to a call for a, quote, white man pointing a gun in the park. Less lethal munitions were initially fired at Delgado before Officer Zachary DeLong shot and killed him. Portland Police Bureau has not confirmed whether a weapon was found at the scene. According to those who know him, Delgado had a history of mental illness but was never dangerous. As of Saturday, Officer DeLong remained on administrative leave while PPB began a criminal investigation against the officer. According to Multnomah County District Attorney Mike Schmidt, it's expected that the case will be presented to a grand jury. They'll hope to determine if Officer DeLong's use of deadly force was a legal act of self-defense and or defense of others. Shortly after the shooting Friday morning, protesters began to arrive in Lentz Park. Police and riot gear followed. In a statement, PPB cited that objects were being thrown at them and one police vehicle had its tires flattened. Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler was also on the scene to, quote, show respect for the individual, their family, the officers, and our community, according to a statement issued later in the day. Wheeler urged everyone to be calm and peaceful while the investigation continues. Over the weekend, Friday morning's shooting was mentioned often amidst continued protests downtown, responding to the latest shootings of Adam Toledo in Chicago and Dante Wright in the suburbs of Minneapolis. And now it's time for your daily dose of data. Over the weekend, the Oregon Health Authority reported 1,516 new confirmed cases of coronavirus. That brings the total number of cases to 175,121. The OHA also reported three new COVID-related deaths, which brings the total Oregon death toll to 2,460 people. As of today, 82% of Oregonians are eligible for a COVID-19 vaccination. That's because vaccinations are now available for all Oregonians 16 years and older. Oregon will be one of the last in the U.S. to meet President Biden's deadline to do so by today. This leaves about 800,000 children 15 and younger ineligible. However, some experts are hoping that 12 to 15-year-olds will be allowed come summer and kids 5 to 11 by the end of the year. As Oregon has been distributing vaccines, data is showing disparities based on income. Despite initial promises of, quote, a commitment to health equity, people in wealthier zip codes appear to have greater access. According to data found by the state, folks in the wealthiest neighborhoods were 1.5 times as likely to have received at least one dose than people in the poorest areas. This correlation between wealth and vaccine availability is not just in Oregon, but has been observed across the nation. Additionally, separate data seems to suggest that ethnicity is playing a role, too. The Latinx community appears to be particularly affected. Latinx folks make up 13% of the state's population, roughly 25% of people infected with COVID, 
but only 7% of people vaccinated. Latinx networks and community organizations called on the state this week to increase vaccination efforts in Latinx communities. In response, OHA Director Patrick Allen committed to developing specific proposals which those community leaders are calling for. Nike responded to claims that they hadn't paid federal income taxes in three years on Friday. According to their statement, the footwear giant has paid more than $9.1 billion to federal, state, and local government agencies since 2016. However, senior fellow for the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy, Matt Gardner, called Nike's response, quote, a classic misdirection strategy. According to Gardner, the company is not acknowledging what he calls the only tax meant to apply to U.S. corporations' income, the federal income tax. Nike also said that due to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, it will pay $1.1 billion in federal transition taxes through 2025. However, as Gardner pointed out, that $1.1 billion is attributable to earnings from the Obama administration. Furthermore, it's only a fraction of what Nike should have paid in taxes on those old earnings. However, Nike insisted that it adheres to tax laws everywhere they do business. In response to a formal complaint, Oregon State Representative Brad Witt is offering to step down from his role leading a legislative committee. This move comes after an earlier complaint from a different lawmaker last week. The allegations come from representatives sitting on the Agricultural and Natural Resources Committee, which Witt chaired. Though the specifics of the complaints remain unclear, they could fall under the legislature's rule prohibiting harassment, retaliation, and creating a hostile work environment. For that reason, an independent investigation has been opened. The independent investigator, Sarah Ryan, expects the investigation to last roughly two weeks, which is unusually quick considering the context of the complaints. Already, Ryan has advised two courses of action that Representative Witt not have any conduct with the lawmaker who filed the complaint, and that Witt be temporarily removed as chair of this committee. Witt's removal from the committee's chair position could have demanded major attention from the Oregon legislature, but he has decided to step down willingly. Despite his decision, Witt is confident that he will be exonerated completely. Witt was previously the subject of a different complaint filed under the same rule of the legislature, Rule 27. This occurred in 2019 when a group of women accused him of rude behavior. However, Witt was cleared in this matter. A bill to keep anti-camping policies in check cleared the, the Oregon House on Thursday. House Bill 3115 would ensure that houseless camping could not be criminalized by Oregon cities unless they offered an alternative place to go. The bill is a top priority for House Speaker Tina Kotek, and clearing the House was the first step towards approval. Though this bill would be far from a ban on anti-camping policies, it would be a step in that direction. More specifically, House Bill 3115 would require that local laws addressing, quote, sitting, lying, sleeping, or keeping warm and dry outdoors on public property must be objectively reasonable with regards to persons experiencing homelessness. Notably, lawmakers have not provided any definition of what objectively reasonable means. 
The bill comes in response to recent federal court rulings that governments fine or criminalize camping if people have no alternative place to go. House Speaker Kotek said this bill is just one part of a much larger effort to address the state's housing crisis. And Republicans are not happy. According to Representative Raquel Moore Green of Salem, House Bill 3115 is, quote, overbroad and unclear. However, since it has cleared the House, it will now head to the Senate for a vote. And finally, some good news. Starting today, it's Portland Pizza Week. Though COVID-19 canceled last year's seven-day celebration of the perfect slice, this year from April 19th through the 25th, Pizza Week returns in full form. This year's lineup features 24 different pizzas from 30 Rip City establishments. Each restaurant will be highlighting its own favorite version of the takeout staple, and specialty slices are only $2. Some locations are also offering whole pies for $16. As always, many participating restaurants will have limited availability by day, so be sure to order early. The good news is that with so many local restaurants participating, you'll be sure to get a delicious slice no matter what. And if you have dietary restrictions, rest assured there are options for you too. Vegetarian, vegan, and gluten-free options are available at select locations. Don't know where to start? How about an El Pastor slice with pineapple and jalapeno from Humdinger Pizza? Or a totally vegan and gluten-free Hawaiian slice from Sunny's Pizza? And if you're more traditional, there are still classics like the meatball and basil slice from Sparky's. Be sure to check out all these and more options at portlandmercury.com. And remember, it's been a hard year for all of us, so be sure to tip well. And that's today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. X-Ray. Up next, we'll hear from Alex Zelensky, news editor of the Portland Mercury, with some updates on a retaliatory arrest lawsuit. Alex spoke with X-Ray host Morgan Jones and DJ Ambush. We welcome Alex back. A Portland woman who was arrested in 2019 is now accusing a police officer of retaliatory arrest. Hannah Ahern filed a lawsuit yesterday alleging that evidence was fabricated against her and she was detained without cause. We're now joined by Alex Zelensky of the Portland Mercury who has the latest on the story. Good morning, Alex, and welcome to X-Ray in the Morning. Good morning. Good to be here. Hey, hey. Um, so could you give us more background as to the circumstances of the alleged retaliatory arrest back in 2019? Yeah. Uh, at the time, you know, it wasn't clear that it was retaliatory. It was mostly just kind of an assumption on uh, this woman's part, uh, Hannah Ahern. She was uh, actually just walking home from work. She worked downtown on uh, August 2019, also in August 2019, the, the day she was walking home for work was uh, that pretty large um, Proud Boy protest. It was kind of the first uh, big event held by the Proud Boys in, in downtown Portland, and it drew out a big number of counter protesters as well. Um, and so, th- of course, you know, that it was kind of its own big. Um, uh, clash that day. There was a lot of arrests going on, a lot of different things going on, but uh, and and a, a lot of different lawsuits that kind of came from it. But this particular incident, this woman was walking home. Uh, she noticed there was some altercation between counter protesters. Um, you know, the folks classically kind of dressed all in black, um, anti-fascist groups, and and police. Uh, and she stopped to see what was going on. Actually. Um, it's interesting. The person she stopped to, to watch was also ended up being 
involved in a, in a lawsuit, but it was this woman who was twerking in the middle of the street. Um, <laughs> and now, and famously ended up winning her, her case. Police just like tackled her for, for blocking the street. Right. Um, but there's some great pictures of her out there just as a sidebar of her twerking in the middle of like NATO Parkway in front of a ton of riot cops. Anyways, um, Hannah stopped to watch what was going on uh, because just out of curiosity, but then of course saw these police run in Riot cops come in and tackle this woman who's dancing uh, pretty aggressively in a way that, you know, um, really shook Hannah and a lot of people watching. Um, and so to just kind of show her general disgust at the time, um, well, I guess, first of all, police, as they're arresting this woman, police said, okay, everyone, you know, back up, uh, disperse, let us arrest. And so Hannah, like most of the crowd, kind of went back across the street to give them space. Uh, as she was crossing the street, she turned her head, looked at a group of riot cops who were kind of standing um, by a van nearby and spit in their direction on the ground about a couple feet away from them, you know, to show her general disgust in the way that they were treating this woman. Yeah. And uh, and then just kept walking away, you know, following their orders. She was planning on catching a bus and going home. Um, and that's when she heard so some shouting from officers kind of being like, you know, her, that one over there. Uh, and wow. she was immediately tackled wow. and tackled and arrested. And, you know, and there's, there's pictures of this is kind of like dramatic. She's wearing this red dress and it really stands out in the middle of this group of black, uh, black clad kind of protesters and also officers, you know, mm -hmm. very cinematic and uh, tackled, wasn't held, it was arrested, thrown to the ground, was not told why she was under arrest, just put in the back of a, police you know riot van uh, along with other people who'd been arrested mm. uh didn't know what she was being arrested for until she was in the middle of she was having a, an asthma attack kind of a panic attack slash asthma attack in the back of this van taken away in a hospital or taken away in an ambulance and one of the ambulance workers saw that there was like a sticker on her back that said like disorderly conduct or something like <laughs> officers had just kind of like slapped something on her anyways <laughs> uh, fast forward wow that the charges against her were dropped the, no one ended up uh, you know prosecuting them mm -hmm. there were some uh, uh, the charges were specifically that she at that point that she had crossed the road and like blocked traffic <laughs> um wow. which yeah which looking at that whole scene it's clearly there's something else going on there um but you know her lawyers weren't really sure um cuz they a lot of that information um not available to you know, public records and kind of all those pieces it, take, it takes a while to come out. Um, so, you know, now uh, about two years later, almost uh, her her lawyers are, are charging and, and uh, suing the Portland police and specifically the officer, the one who kind of yelled like, hey, that one, go tackle that person. Mm. Um, because they looked back at his police report on that incident and he had clearly, he'd written the reason to arrest her was, you know, there, there was apparently a, a, a truck, a Toyota truck that I was driving and trying to go, um, you know, driving down the street and she had walked in front of it and the driver had like pumped the brakes and almost hit her and it was very dangerous. And like, that is why she was dangerously, you know, uh, blocking traffic and needed to be arrested. Wow. Of course. Yeah. Of course, videos of this, um, laughably don't show that happening at no. all. No. You don't <laughs> no. say. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and, uh, and even if that, you know, even if the arrest was the fact that the charges were dropped, that she wasn't, you know, she doesn't have a record for this anymore. The whole incident was deeply traumatizing and also just screwed up. And so that that is Abuse why Abuse of power. I don't it, know. Just some casual yeah. yeah. That added to this is that that officer, the one in question, his name is he's a detective, Eric Hammerer. His name is kind of more familiar with people who've been involved in protests recently, um, like last year in, in downtown Portland, because he's one of the top officers who has been abusing protesters and, and you know, shoving and kind no. of needlessly wow. Fucking with or messing around with protesters who, um, without arresting anyone, you know, just kind of like so. Just having this record added to, you know, his uh, <laughs> his like history, it just it's not a surprise, right? But it's just another like, oh, of course it's that guy. <laughs> who else and, would it be? Yeah. Right, and so so yeah, so now she's finally kind of bringing forward some charges. Um, specifically, like you mentioned, uh, you know, falsifying evidence, which mm-hmm. is basically the fact that this officer, you know, made up this thing, mm-hmm. uh, that she was going to be hit by a car. I mean, it clearly was, you know, it, it, I can just quote from it because Mrs. Ahern dared to, this is from the, the lawsuit, dared to demonstrate her visceral disgust with what she saw at PPB's conduct that day. Uh, defendant Cameron targeted Miss Mrs. Ahern for arrest. So basically, just showing it was retaliation for her spitting on the ground and <laughs> basically saying, you know what, like I don't really like what you're doing, and that that was a direct response to him making up evidence. And you know, he is a high up position in the police bureau. He's like a sergeant. He he is in charge of a lot of riot cops when he goes out and does mm-hmm. that work. And so. If they see him doing that, you know, that's a, that's, uh, you know, he's indoctrinating them in those policies. And Absolutely. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's a long kind of winding process, but it's finally coming up in a interesting way. <laughs> mm. So the lawsuit was filed yesterday. What comes, as, mm-hmm. what comes next as the situation develops? Yeah, well, we need, I guess next is a response from the city. Uh, and and well, the lawyers who represent the um, the city and also the police bureau, uh, it's on them to kind of you know um, respond in a certain amount of days. You know she's asking for and her lawyers are asking for a jury trial, which um, I think everyone would love to see. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times those end up being settled in these cases for the city. They end up kind of being settled out before they reach that point. Um, she's not asking for she's at you know some finances for her for damages but that would be something that would have to be figured out by a court um mostly she just wants justice for uh for folks who also have been i mean in some ways it's representing all the people who have not had the legal support to to push back against this guy who's been um the whole past year (laughs) specifically kind of using his power to continuously harass people in the way that she was uh, harassed. Mm. I, I just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have so many feelings and yeah. so many things to say that I'm just like, I have to be quiet. Uh, but you yeah. don't. well, no, I mean, you know, yeah. just in time wise <laughs> and all of that stuff, it, it is just terrifying that like, I don't think enough people understand that 
this is the climate. The climate is mm. people abusing their power in in so many different uh, industries, but mm. the police specifically, mm-hmm. um, you know, finding ways to do more exploiting of the power <laughs> is, right. you know, you don't have to have a hood. You just, you if you have <laughs> that belt. Yeah. You just cross the street. Yeah. I mean, come on. Falsifying a whole report in order to like stick like it to the lady dignity. that spit on right. the, the ground. Right. It's just an interesting hill to die on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That agreement. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's really interesting, especially interesting, especially, you know, the angle of falsifying the documentation, right? Mm-hmm. Time and time again, we see this happening. You know, then the video comes out and it's the exact opposite of what you put on file. Yes. Until we start seeing like actual penalties being paid for making false. Like you're supposed to be representing the law and you're making false. You're filing false statements. Right. Right. You cannot. To protect themselves. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) And I think the crazy thing is that, you know, this wouldn't have come out unless uh, unless Hannah decided to file a lawsuit and decided like investigate what did that officer put in their report because it was dismissed and a lot of times prosecutors like the DA's office see something like this and they're like this is a ridiculous arrest we're not going to prosecute it we're going to dismiss it which is good on their point you know but then no one really follows up as to like what does the damage of an arrest actually do still though like you can't just say oh it's gone but like the trauma and the power that's involved in that moment even if it's dismissed still needs investigating and so um, that's kind of what yeah, the the importance of this lawsuit is allowed to shine light on a bit. So, yeah. Wow. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Needed so, this. One. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, Alex. Yeah, lovely to be with you. Thank you. Thanks to Alex for joining The Local. And thank you for listening to The Local, your hometown, in just about 30 minutes. And thank you, Democracy. We'll talk to you tomorrow. X-Ray.